Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Amanda and the band, amazing. Thank you, Holy Spirit, amazing. Just keep receiving. There's something about the hunger for his presence that we're going to be talking about today. Um, our theme this, uh, this morning is abiding presence. Uh, we've begun our sermon series on holy and whole, really continuing from last term. Uh, really sense there's so much more for us to understand and grasp. And so I just want to talk about that for a moment. So you up for that? Thank you, Carl. Anyone else up for that? <laughs> Love it. I'm going to be reading from Psalm 91. So you've got it before you. I think it may come up on the screen as well. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him up on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And all God's people said, yes and amen. Imagine a church of a million members. All ages represented, from babies, children, youth, young adults, adults of every age and generation. Twelve different campuses with one main hub. Leaders serving at every level, including an abundance of worshippers in the band and teams meeting every need. And in addition, the powerful and glorious testimonies of God's power at work, saving, delivering, healing, providing and resourcing. Nothing lacking, a clear vision ahead. Wow. Imagine leading a church like that. Well, I guess if it's you, if it was me, we could be forgiven for allowing just a little bit of pride to set in the vastness of this great church. A little self-satisfaction about our achievements a little sense of entitlements just to ensure that any decision demands they're met. There would be also a sense that this church could go anywhere and do anything, such the size and the influence. Imagine a church like that. There was a church like that. 
Church, by the meaning of ecclesia, a gathering of people. Many years ago, and there was a leader who led such a church, and his name was Moses. But you know, among one of the many qualities that he had, the quality that stood out the most was his hunger and thirst for the presence of God. With an incredible mantle upon his life, that anointing that we've kind of talked about and Tim kind of led us into, the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon his life, the force of influence he had upon so many people, life and death, he humbled himself before the Lord and he said these words, if your presence does not go with us, Lord, do not bring us up from here. Please show us your glory. In other words, even though he was, he was overseeing this incredible ministry and organization, he wasn't prepared to do anything without the presence of the Lord. And he didn't want to go anywhere without his glory leading and guiding. If only the world saw such a hunger in leaders in the church today. If your presence does not go before us, Lord, just, I don't want to move, I don't want to go anywhere. Show us your glory. You see, more than this, he knew in his heart the only way for him to lead outwardly was for him to be led inwardly deeper into the heart of God. And what we see in an extraordinary way, his persistence and perseverance to stay where he was until the presence of God came to rest upon him. His glory shone upon him. And this is what I want us to think about this morning. You know, each one of us are called to be leaders like Moses. <laughs> Hang on a minute. We're not in a desert. Hang on a minute. We don't lead a nation. But hang on a minute. We're all called to lead, even if it is one person into the presence of God. Even if it is one family member, or a friend, or a work colleague, or a neighbor. Like Moses, we are all called to lead people into the presence of God, and to lead by example, and to be light in the world. You know, only 2% of all church leaders are clergy, ministers, assistant ministers, youth and children pastors. In other words, those who are paid by the church to do the work. The rest of all church leaders, 98%, are called to be leaders in the marketplace. And the question for us is, how are we leading? Are we leading from a place of power, or impotence? Are we leading from a place of persuasion or neglect? Are we leading from a place of being in God's presence or none of the above? Have we actually just laid down that mantle that, uh, of leading anybody? From what basis or foundation do we fulfill the calling on our lives to lead people by the hand to Jesus? 
I think all too often when we're given a kind of responsibility, we make the choice to exert our influence by the things we do, by the things we have, by the things we receive, by the gifts, the skills we possess. And this can happen as much inside the church as outside in the workplaces and even homes. The emphasis being on us, what we do. But I want to challenge our thinking And try to open all of our eyes to know and understand what a Moses-like approach to the presence of God looks like for us in our everyday lives and every situation we face, whatever we're doing and wherever we're at. See, Moses understood and he held on to an eternal truth and principle that Jesus taught his disciples and he teaches us in John 15, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit For without me, you can do nothing. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. You know, do we want to bear fruit in our lives? Yeah. But for without me, we can do nothing. See, Moses grasped that truth. Without the Lord in his presence, we can do nothing no thing just let that sink in for a moment someone was sharing with me this week about you know a really major breakthrough that happened in his business when he and his business partner decided to pray together in other words invite the lord into the presence of their work and he said literally work started to pour in see the thing is we don't seek out the presence of god because of what we gain from it. But when we take that Moses-like approach of humility, when we hunger and thirst for his presence, making the choice that we don't want to do anything or go anywhere without him and without his glory, in that place of dwelling and abiding, he always does immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. But you see, it starts with us dwelling and abiding in his presence, as we see in Psalm 91. And I want to think about Psalm 91. I also want to encourage each one of us, read this psalm each day over this next seven uh, days or so. Just let it sink in. Reflect on it, meditate on it, because it is an amazing psalm. But so often it's cited when there's times of trouble. You know, the classic, if you're going through a difficult time, and it's good, You know, Christian friends will send you a verse and invariably the verse comes from Psalm 91. That's a good thing. But actually it's a psalm that speaks into every area of our lives. And it speaks about what it is for us to live holy and whole uh, lives. The psalm is divided into three parts and this is really important. Part number one, verses one and two. The intimate and personal declaration that the Lord is my refuge. And then we get part two, verses three to 13. The powerful and personal declaration that the Lord will be your refuge. And then we get to verse three, sorry, 14 to, part three, verses 14 to 16. The wonderful loving declaration of the Lord that he will be always there with us as our refuge. If you like, you've got the inward, the outward, and the upward. And I just want to briefly look at these in turn. But if you like, the key is in verses one to three. He who dwells in the secret place 
of the Most High, will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Can you say those words? I mean it. Is it a reality in your life? Is it a testimony day by day? You see, there's a lasting truth that when we dwell, the Hebrew word yashab, it means to sit down, to be still. You're all sat down. You're only going to be sat down for the next three hours, so don't worry about it. You'll eventually, you will get up. But there is a moment in life when you sit down. Yashab. He who dwells, sits down, is still for a moment. In the secret place, the Hebrew word means place of protection or covering. That kind of banner that's over us. Of the Most High, the Supreme God, there is no one like our God. There is no one higher in title, status or position. When we dwell, sit down, we will abide, loom. It means stay permanently. It means dwell throughout the day or all the night continuously under the shadow, the shade, the defense of the Almighty, El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, the one who is more than enough. And you see, it's not if or maybe, but when. There's that intentionality and intimate understanding when we sit down for a moment in the presence of the Lord, these moments stay with us throughout the rest of the day. I really hope that this is sinking in. When we are still before the Lord, it's like his stillness, his peace continues with us into all the noise and the clamor of the day. When we come to settle under his covering, that covering is extended beyond anything that we can imagine. It's like the Lord is saying, give me five minutes of your time and I'll give you an hour of my glory. Come and abide with me for a moment, just you and me together. And I'm going to abide with you throughout the rest of the day. Come and rest assured in me and I will assure you of my rest in everything you face and you will be able to say the Lord is my refuge and my fortress my God in him I will trust you see his abiding presence in us is, is life giving he breathes his life into us when we settle when we sit down for a moment his peace rests upon us his anointing over us in those moments we give to him and not just that as we feel safe and secure. But it's like he fires us up for the day ahead, for the battles we face. He transforms our faith and our trust. He is our refuge, which means hope, shelter, trust. He is our fortress, which means castle, defense. And even that net which catches us. You know those times when you feel like you're falling. And there he is. He catches us and he lifts us up. There is no one like him in whom we can put our trust, complete trust in him and feel that safety and security. And the question is, is this the testimony of our lives? Can I encourage us to do two things as we reflect on this psalm? Number one, 
Learn verse one and two by heart. This week, learn verse one and two by heart. When I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, I will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I'll trust. Let it sink deep within you. There are four words, four names of God in those two verses. There are four aspects of what he wants to do in sheltering, in comforting, in rescuing, in protecting. But there's so much more. It's like when we do that, he will come through. And the second thing is, learn to apply these verses in every aspect of the day. I think we get pretty good at compartmentalizing life. But you know when it comes to faith and abiding in the presence, there is no space or place where God doesn't love to reside. You know, in the morning, say to him, Lord, will you abide with me today? Will you come and be with me today? I can't do anything of any worth without you. Lord, will you show me your glory? The other day we were soaking and I just had this picture of a door and um, you know the passage in Revelation when Jesus says he stands at the door and knocks. But actually what I saw was the cloud of his glory. You know, a bit like in uh, the Exodus. This incredible cloud of his glory and what he's waiting for is the door of our lives to open so his glory can come in and fill us to overflowing. And as I saw this door opening and kind of into my heart, the the colors, the brilliance, it was like fireworks were exploding. I I don't often get these pictorial uh, images and you know, it's just the most beautiful presence of what his glory looks like when we open the door in every area of his lives. You are my refuge, Lord. I trust you for your protection. Come and be with me. And when you get to work, when you sit at your desk, five minutes, welcome his presence to come. Or if you're in the car because it's just, you know, it's not possible to do that. Before you get out of your car, welcome him into every area of your life. Make it that requisite, that need. You cannot do anything without the presence of God. No business decision without the presence of God. Allow him into every decision and see what he does. You see, for us to, um, to know that, we have to practice his presence, but for us to practice his pre- presence and make it a habit, at that point, we're able to inhabit his presence and make it our norm. You know, this is something Heather and I are trying to do day by day, and I'm learning from Heather the, the way that she does this in every area of life doesn't matter what it is, whether we're sitting or eating or talking or sharing, allowing the presence of God to be in there. It doesn't matter whether we're booking a flight or in the flight itself or in the shops. You know, welcoming God into those spaces, allowing him to abide with us. And both of us, you know, the older we're getting, it's just like there's more hunger for his presence. I don't want to do anything without him. And I thank God that, you know, we're on this journey 
Because I see so many people who are excited by the faith of God and then something happens, crashes into their lives and they pull away. You know, this is part of the journey of this sermon series to say, yes, these things do happen in our lives. Yes, we do face troubles and challenges and all the difficulties. Yes, there are things in our lives right now that we're praying desperately to God to come and intercede on behalf of family and friends or whoever it is. But we cannot do this without his presence. And every moment we need to know the Most High, the Almighty, is our refuge and our fortress. See, this is what Moses did. And you know, the most significant thing probably he did in leading the people into the presence of God was the way he invested in one person. And his name was Joshua. And just look what God did through Joshua. The one who stayed in the tabernacle. I reckon others could have done. But Joshua did. We may not have a church of a million, but we're called to lead like Moses. But it comes from the place of dwelling, abiding in his presence. That intimate personal declaration, the Lord is my refuge. But then there's the outward the powerful declarations that the Lord will be your refuge. Verses three to 13 is a sermon series in its own right. It's, there's so many truths in it. I just wanna very briefly say this, and please come back to me if you've got questions or talk to your life group leaders, but I just wanna say this. These verses are weapons of war. Look at them. These verses are weapons of war. We've just got to learn to use them at the right time, in the right way, as we battle for the heart and battle for the heart of others. You know, the caveat to me saying this is God releases power when we make his declaration. But we need to do that from the place of being in his presence. Please don't pick up these weapons of war without abiding in his presence. That's dangerous. That's going to battle where you've not got the protection. And I'm assuming that there's an understanding here that what I'm gonna say next, it comes out of us abiding in the presence of the Lord. You know, uh, a recent example of this was uh, just very briefly, Santa flying back from here to America had uh, uh, flew into Philadelphia from Heathrow and uh, had to get a connecting flight to Raleigh. The flight was late arriving, she gets to immigration, she's got to go through immigration, collect her luggage, go to the next gate to get her flight and she has something like 20 minutes? Oh, she had to recheck in. So anyway, she gets in the immigration line. There's something like 400 people in front of her. So it's about 12 o'clock for us, and we start praying. And the line is moving very slowly. There are a lot of unhappy, grumpy, unhelpful, unkind people in this line. She initially says, do you mind, can I move forward? You know, I've got a flight to catch. And it's no. An absolute no. And uh, we're praying, and like, oh, you've got to do something. Time is really running out. And the line is kind of zigzags like this. And the, the reading for me that morning was from Psalm 4. 
And Psalm 4 verse 6 is, Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. And I just had that prompting of the Holy Spirit to make that declaration over Sanna. Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon Sanna. Not really knowing or understanding exactly what I was asking. Uh, We then get a a, a message. I might get this slightly wrong. So if you want the full correct account, (laughs) talk to Heather. But basically what happened is that somehow she got to an end of uh, a zigzag with about 250 people in front of her. She went under the barrier. Now, just hear me. I I don't advocate pushing in in any way, but but you just have to hear me. She went under the barrier, and suddenly there were only seven people in front of her. She got through immigration quickly, got her luggage, which was ready, raced to check in, and uh, literally they were boarding the flight as she got onto the flight. But the point was this. She got under the barrier, and this was a crowd that were unhappy. No one looked at her. No one talked to her. It was like she was hidden. She tried to even engage with the people, just to kind of like, you know, she felt awful because obviously she had to catch a flight and, you know, wouldn't do this. Uh, but she almost like found herself going on, engaged. No one engaged with her. Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon Sanna. Amazing. Again, I do not advocate pushing in, please. (laughs) You know, we've had times, I do advocate kindness, and someone should have shown a kindness. You know, and that's happened. Often we've kind of let people go in front of us because they've got flights to catch, and you know, a lot of people do that, and that's a good thing. But it's an amazing thing, in that moment, the Lord knew she needed to get on that flight to get home. And that happened. You see, what we have in verses three to 13. It's, it's like tools that God has given us in every situation. If you're feeling trapped or undermined by someone you're working with, it's almost like they're kind of stabbing your back. Bring it to the Lord. Bring it to him. You see, under the shadow of the Almighty, God gives us an invitation, and we're able to say, God, your word says, You will deliver me from the snare of the fowler, verse 3. And what we're told in verse 15, the Lord hears our call and he answers us. If you're facing unfair criticism or you just feel you're under attack, whether it is at work or, or home or in the community or whatever the situation, see God invites us into that situation to bring it to him in his presence. And we're able to make that declaration. Lord, your word says, your truth will be my shield and my buckler. And the buckler is a little shield. And as we know in verse 15, he hears us and will answer us. If we find fear rising up in us, fear about a health situation or fear about a relationship situation or whatever it is, And you know those times when, particularly at night, that fear rises up and it can be overwhelming. In his presence, God invites us and he gives us tools to make the declaration, God, your word says, no evil shall befall me, nor any plague 
come near my dwelling. You see, we're told he hears our call, he answers us. And more than that, in verse 15, he will deliver and honor us. And it says as well in verse 16, he doesn't always remove the trouble from us, but he promises to always be in the midst of it. Do we get that picture? From the place of abiding presence, the inward. There is a source of power that is released in the outward. You know, it even includes giving his angels charge over us and keeping us in all our ways. And that phrase keeping us, shema, it's the same word that's used in the, uh, the, the ancient blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you. It's kind of put that hedge of protection around you. And all of this, as we dwell in the secret place day by day, and know his presence. So how do we respond? What are we gonna do? Well, I think the response is simple and it's clear. It's the commitment that needs to be constant and steadfast. See, St. Paul understand it himself. He said in Philippians 4, I know what it is to have abundance or lack. I know what it is to, to be full or to be hungry. I know what it is to abound or to suffer need. But he says these words, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he understands the key is through Christ. See, this is the hunger and thirst for the dwelling of his presence. This is the Moses-like approach to not being prepared to move or go anywhere without God going with us, without his glory shining upon us. This is what it means to be light in the world. We need his light in us first before we can shine for him. And this is what it means to bearing good fruit because without him we can do nothing unless we abide in Jesus the vine. This is the sitting down for that moment with him so that we can spend the rest of the day in his company and know that he's with us. And you know the amazing thing is his desire for us is to dwell with him. And the invitation is to know this truth. We're called to be leaders like Moses. But let's have that humility and hunger for the presence of God. And it's out of that place not only we will know his protection as the rock and refuge and fortress, but we will lead others into his presence as well. Let's stand together.